Are you ready to turn your investments into retirement income? Listen in as Jeremy Kyle and his guests reveal ways you can make smarter retirement, investment, and tax planning decisions to achieve your ideal retirement. You will learn more about your money so you can feel better about your money and make better money decisions. Now, on to the show. Welcome to Retirement Revealed. I'm your host, Jeremy Kyle, and we're here to turn your retirement savings into a consistent income. Today, we're joined by our guest, Chris Lanfranca. He's with Social Security Solutions and Income Solver. Chris, thanks for coming on the show. Well, thanks for having me, Jeremy. Yeah, absolutely. I've been uh, acquainted with you and your your softwares that uh, you're, you're connected with for a few years now, and absolutely love a few of the things that you guys are doing and wanted to bring you on to just introduce to people how you approach retirement and how it's maybe different than a lot of the standard software solutions that are out there. That's our, that's our goal today. Absolutely. Good. Well, tell me, how did you get into your role? How did you get into the industry? I think, correct me if I'm wrong, you, you, you're a lawyer by trade. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. That's correct. Yeah. I, out of, uh, out of law school, I worked at a law firm for several years and the last couple of years there, I was working in some uh, financial fraud cases and, and things of that nature and just found it really interesting and then met up with one of my old colleagues that I had internshiped with uh, when I was in law school and uh, he was working in the financial industry and doing like worksite, worksite benefits and things like that and got together and started doing worksite benefits and some things and kept getting questions about social security. And at that time, I knew very little about it several years ago. So I started kind of learning the rules and laws around that and kind of that intersection of where the laws meet the math and just started committing myself to it and memorizing some of the rules and things like that. And then fast forward a few years, then I found this company, Social Security Solutions, and I was like, wow, that that sounds like right up my alley. Yeah, it's almost the way how I came across the, the company. I do a lot of research myself. I was reading a, a journal article about all, about income strategies, things like that. I thought, oh my goodness, everything this article is talking about, I absolutely believe in. And at the bottom it says, there's these two professors that wrote the article, did immense amount of research, and they founded a company to show people how to make use of their research. So maybe tell me about uh, the two the two folks, uh, Bill and Bill, as they're affectionately known. Tell us about uh, Bill and Bill and just maybe how their research-based approach helped them create this this different tactic of looking at retirement. Yeah, absolutely. Bill and Bill uh, are two great guys, uh, extremely intelligent gentlemen. Bill Meyer, our CEO, and Dr. Bill Rickenstein, our head of research, and you know, but all the software and all of this, everything we do at our firm is all rooted in their years and years and decades of research. And Dr. Rickenstein, he, Dr. Rickenstein is professor emeritus at Baylor University, the academia behind the software. So he writes a lot of articles, writes a lot of our books and just, you know, just an outstanding gentleman overall. And he had partnered with Bill Meyer. They've been, they've been, you know, partners in this endeavor for years and years and, you know, started, started when they met, they realized like there was a better way to do this type of planning, social security distributions. There was a way that they could do that rooted in the research to be more efficient, you know, more efficient claiming timing for social security, more efficient tax, uh, you know, distributions that are more tax efficient and tax smart 
So uh, Dr. Rickenstein, Professor Emeritus at Baylor, Bill Meyer has a really unique background because he has he's been a financial advisor. He's done sales. He's also built software platforms at some huge companies. And so he has this really kind of unique triumvirate of, of backgrounds. And, and so both of them combined, you know, just have been quite a formidable force in the industry and thought leaders in the industry for a long time. And uh, so met up with, with these gentlemen. And when they showed me with, what they had, I was, you know, blown away by it. And, uh, you know, they're both, both outstanding guys. And my, my bosses, my two bosses, obviously. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's good. And that's, I think that's a great point just for people is that uh, when you're trying to decide how do you approach retirement, this is probably the first time you've ever retired. And let's just pretend that, uh, let's pretend it isn't. Even if you retired maybe a couple of years ago from a company, you probably didn't live through a 30 year retirement and then go back to work and do it all over again. And that's what's an interesting thing about, uh, we'll get more into this, some of these ideas around Monte Carlo si simulations where uh, let's just take a look at so many different scenarios and how many scenarios are successful and things like that. Well, you only have one scenario. Your own retirement life only has one scenario. And because of that, you need to approach things a little bit uh, differently. I was just at the Investments and Wealth Institute for the Retirement Forum and learning from a lot of the leading researchers that are out there. One person in particular, uh, Moshe Molesky, uh, just gave a talk. I was listening to him just yesterday, you know, about uh, 24 hours ago, I was listening to him talk. And he was saying that when you hit retirement and take money out, the math is actually different than when you're saving for retirement and putting money in. And if the math is different on how things work when you take money out, the idea of using this kind of probability and Monte Carlo and can I get a 90% chance of success versus a 88% chance of success, that's all math based on putting money in. It's like, why are you using the old math for a new problem? And I think that's what's so great about Dr. Bill Rickenstein, especially. He's looking at uh, the new math for retirement. Uh, how do you take the money out? and give yourself the best outcome overall. Absolutely. I mean that's and that's something that we that we preach. I mean anybody we talk to, you'll hear us talk about those type of concepts of the the difference of accumulation planning and decumulation planning. Going up the mountain, coming down the mountain for some of the like the Wade Fowl terminology. I, I really love that. That that's it's an entirely it's a different approach mathematically it's it, it should be a different approach behaviorally and psychologically one of and that's one of the most fascinating pieces about all of this planning the, the, one of the things i love the most is f the strategy that aligns i mean obviously we want success rate we want we want good ending balance we want low cumulative taxes but then the behavioral component of now what am i willing to do to achieve that what am I willing to do to get to that point? And finding that intersection, it's an entirely different type of planning. And, you know, the pit, like what we always tell our clients, I mean, the, the pitfalls are deeper and they're harder to climb out of. You have a shorter time horizon. The mistakes that you make are compounded in retirement. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there was a, an Ameriprise study done back in 2018 that said distribution planning takes three times longer than financial planning. And, you know, it seems true in my experience. Yeah. 
You're right on. And I've got right in my hands uh, Dr. Uh, Rickenstein's book. It's called Income Strategies, How to Create a Tax-Efficient Withdrawal Strategy to Generate Retirement Income. I think that's what most people are looking for. They want to generate retirement income. They love to do it in a tax-efficient way, which generally means you try to lower your taxes in a, obviously legal ways, and there's certainly plenty of those to do that. And yet uh, people generally don't go about doing that. There's kind of a standard way of taking your money out in retirement. And you found, uh, Dr. Rickenstein has found time and time again, there's really three big places where you can add extra value. They call it advisor alpha. Alpha is a fancy way to say value. Extra value that an advisor or a retirement plan can come across and add value. And those three areas are your withdrawal plan, kind of where do you take money out of your investments, your social security decisions, and your investment plan. So let's let's talk about some of those, and maybe let's go in reverse. Uh, let's talk about the investment plan. How how can people add extra value with their investments in retirement? Yeah, absolutely. And this and this is an area that is so varied and so wildly different with different people. And you know, we've even recently been. We've, we've always had that investment management component in our income solver software, but now we're taking it to the next level. You know, we're launching this new decumulation TAMP platform, you know, to help implement the, the, the strategy with, you know, aligning with the implementation and the trades and all of that. But, you know, there's, there's different ways to kind of extract out more efficiency on that component is the the rebalancing methodology itself you know how drastically am i re- rebalancing how often you know how frequently you know am i am i doing it smoothly over time or am i going to do big jumps every 5 years or 10 years of just paring back my equities like most people think decrease my risk as i get older the the whole wall street rule of thumb of how much should my equities be and all that you know that those are all great rules of thumb but it's hyper specific to every person, every couple, every family. So rebalancing frequency and methodology, the allocation, obviously the asset allocation, tax efficient location, where are the certain assets held? You know, where do you, are your equities held in a certain type of account that's getting capital gains treatment? Or are they, you know, in your IRA that's going to be taxed as ordinary income? Those, those type of components through the asset allocation, asset location, rebalancing methodology, that is where we can, you know, squeeze out some more efficiency on that that front. Yeah, I think uh, I was, I'm just going to sum up on the investment plan because there's some other you're kind of touching on a few of the different areas as well too. But on the investment plan, uh, I'd say it's almost two problems that happen: either you're too risky, or you're not risky enough. There might be people that hit retirement and they just keep on investing the way that they were while saving for retirement. And the problem with being too risky is that, yep, it might work out most of the time, but again, you have a one time, you have one shot at it. And if you're too risky and the market tanks, then you usually do uh, the opposite. You go become not risky enough. And so it's like, let's get you to the right level of risk from the outset. Because if you're too risky, you lose too much in the downside. And then you, you overcorrect and get not mm-hmm. risky enough. And then you end up having the issue where the market's rolling and, and you're not participating in that. So yeah, definitely getting the right level of risk is a, a big part of it. But what about Social Security? We've heard so many things about Social Security. And oftentimes, clients or prospective clients are talking to us and say, well, I just want to uh, make sure I uh, get Social Security while I can. And if I wait, 
I want to make sure I break even. I want to make sure I get my money back. It's, it was worthwhile for, for waiting. How, how do you guys approach Social Security? Yeah, that's, uh, you know, it's so fascinating to me when I started learning about Social Security and like doing workshops, you know, in front of people and the the different concerns and apprehensions and the different goals and objectives of different families and and how that aligns with what they want in retirement and what they want out of their social security benefits. You know, I think, and I think most of those folks recognize social security is not meant to fulfill all of my spending. It's, you know, we've always been taught it's one leg of the stool and all of that. So the social security is, you know, you have the folks that are like, I'm going to take early. I'm going to take early because it might not be there for me and all these things, or I'm going to take early and reinvest it, or I'm going to wait till 70 because I'm not even concerned about it and I have enough money. I don't have to worry about it. You know, and maybe that's the case, but most of the time there is something more nuanced. There's something that is specific to that couple. And, you know, what the software does is optimizes the social security claim timing based upon their life expectancy. So, yeah, you know, if you say, yeah, we're living to 100, both my, my wife and I were both living to 100. Well, yes, then obviously it's going to say both of you should wait till 70 likely. But there's there's something more nuanced than that. And when I was doing those workshops, inevitably every single time, and it still happens today just on the phones and on and when I'm meeting with my clients, is people, somebody will raise their hand in the workshop and they'll say, well, I have this IRA or I have this 401k. And right when they say that, I already know what, and I'm sure as you do, what they're thinking and what they're going to say next, which is I have this IRA. So how do I coordinate that with my social security benefit? And those are the type of clients with that mindset that are primed for this type of distribution planning because there's social security in a vacuum get me the most social security benefit. And then there's social security coordinated with the distribution plan. So should I take my social security early and delay until and delay taking money out of my IRA until uh, later or until age 72 when I hit RMD age? Or should I start tapping into my IRA now when I'm, you know, in my early 60s or 65-ish and delay my social security. Like that's an oversimplistic kind of coordination concept, but that's, that's what it is, is obviously we want to get as much out of social security as we can, but finding the strategy that is proper for, especially for a married couple that can coordinate different benefits and potentially mm -hmm. have spousal benefit in play and survivor benefit in play. But then also taking that and as the centerpiece of your distribution plan and saying, Okay, well, I have this I have this money coming in for Social Security. What what is my shortfall to fulfill my total spending? And then where do I take that from? So the Social Security coordination and finding the claim timing, I feel like is we feel is almost the first step, even though people might be thinking, oh, I'm taking that at 70 and I have so many things I have to worry about before then, like my like retirement and my Medicare and all these other things. But really, the Social Security claiming, in a way, could be done first mm -hmm. to determine then what else we have to withdraw around that. Yeah, I like uh, what you're saying with a lot of that stuff, where the Social Security decision 
kind of informs the other decisions on there. We talk to people and say that we need to help know or at least understand which direction you're going with your social security and pension decisions because we truly have no idea how to invest your money until we know, like what you said, the shortfalls. You know, if you if you need a hundred grand a year and you have 80 grand a year coming in today from social security and, and pensions, that's a different story on how you invest compared to what if you need a hundred grand and you have nothing coming in today from social security mm-hmm. and pensions, but five years down the road, you have a hundred grand coming in from social security and pensions. So we, we can't truly give a, a reasonable recommendation on short-term, long-term risk types of investments until we understand what non-investment income's coming in, especially from social security. So you're, you're right on. I think a lot of people uh, view it the other way, like, oh, I'm gonna do this with my investments. So because of that, I'm gonna do social security. No, it's absolutely the, the opposite. And a lot of things you said there on coordinating, it's social security is not a vacuum. It's not, okay, how do I get the most dollars out of my own social security? It's how do I give ourselves as perhaps a couple the best probability of success? And it's not just social security, but it's how do you coordinate social security with your investments and coordinate social security with your taxes? And like you said, you've got to plug in what your longevity is. So many people come to me and say, well, I'm going to take my social security because what are the odds I'm going to make it to this number? I said, okay, well, what are the odds? Well, they haven't looked them up. They're just kind of <laughs> saying it as just this glib thing of like, well, I, I got to do this because what are the odds? It got to be low. Well, let's find out. That's one of the first things you got to do when you're making your social security decision is find out what are the odds you'll make it to certain numbers. And it's so interesting. We can talk even more about that because especially if there's two of you, it's almost not a, what are the odds of one person in the couple and the other person in the couple the, the actual odds for social security that matter is when does the first person die and we don't know if it'll be one or the other. And then when does the second person die and we don't know when it's going to be one or the other. So mm-hmm. it's actually kind of like a, a joint life expectancy. It's an either or thing versus just a one person and the other with social security. And yeah, definitely you got to coordinate that with the taxes. It's Jeremy Kyle here, and I know you're listening to the Retirement Reveal Podcast because you want to learn more about making great retirement decisions. I've created a free video course for you to do just that. Head over to 5stepretirementplan.com and sign up to receive this video training right in your email inbox. We broke down our 5-step retirement plan into bite-sized videos so you can get started on the retirement, investment, and tax planning you need to create a consistent retirement income. Go to 5stepretirementplan.com Use the number or spell it out. You'll get there either way. Fivestepretirementplan.com. Thanks for listening. And now for the rest of the show. With that, the final piece of the puzzle, this withdrawal plan, you often talk to me about being tax aware on your withdrawal plan. How, how does that go about? And maybe let's, let's compare a tax aware withdrawal plan against what's known as conventional wisdom, kind of like what you always see in the, the newspapers. Yeah, yeah. You know, it, it, conventional wisdom and what that is, you know, in as we hear it and what it is in our software is conventional wisdom withdrawal sequence means it is a very rigid one account at a time withdrawal sequence, first beginning with the taxable money. So we're checking savings, brokerage account, and those will be depleted one account at a time. And then when those are fully depleted, then you move on to your tax deferred accounts your IRAs, your 401ks, your 403bs, and we start 
depleting those one account at a time. We're not looking, that type of strategy isn't looking at tax brackets. It's not looking at Medicare IRMA thresholds. It's not looking at efficiency. It's looking at just simply fulfilling my spending. And that's, and that's why it may not be the worst thing in the world for every client, but it's usually par or mediocre, you know, suboptimal certainly, but, you know, typically pretty mediocre. And it's, it's just, you know, a, a rules of thumb rolled up into a strategy, you know, take, you take your money out of the, using the 4% rule and take your Social Security at 62 and start drawing out of your taxable accounts first. That's kind of what we hear is this this generic these generic rules of thumb rolled up into a sequence. And so conventional wisdom is taxable money depletion, then tax deferred money depletion, then Roth money depletion or tax free money if they have any. So the you know the inefficiencies with that are well, you spend all your taxable money down. There might be a lot in there that is already tax exempt. I mean, there might be checking account money, you know, that you've already paid the taxes on. And so first thing is, do we really want to spend that down right now in our current tax environment? We have a pending, uh, impending tax increase in 2026. And who knows, maybe it goes up higher before that. Or maybe when we get to 2026, it goes up even higher than the old rates. So do we really want to just attack all of that money first? You know, and then the other thing about delaying taking your tax deferred accounts, your IRAs and 401ks, well, if especially if you're waiting till 72 or, you know, sometime like late 60s, early 70s, 72, my RMD age kicks in. Well, first of all, every dollar that's pulled out of that is taxable. It's all going to hit your adjusted gross income, which means it's not only increasing your tax bracket and your and your you know, your marginal rate, but it's also increasing your modified adjusted gross income for the IRMA surcharge purposes for Medicare. So people that don't do anything to mitigate their RMDs, the required minimum distributions, or if they don't do anything to mitigate the value of some of those IRAs, and now you're taking out RMDs that may even be over and above your spending, well, that doesn't feel good. That doesn't feel efficient. But also, you're increasing your modified adjusted gross income, now bumping up your Medicare premium surcharges. And, you know, their surcharges, their attacks, so, you know, whatever they are, they cost more money and will increase the marginal rate. So, that is an example, one of one of the uh, big examples that we run into of an inefficiency with conventional wisdom is you could be, it's that's what we call conventional wisdom is the instant gratification strategy because typically your taxes are lower up front, but then the downside is the later years, especially starting at RMD age, higher taxes, higher RMDs, thereby typically meaning higher Medicare premiums. And not to even speak of Social Security taxation, for those that even have the opportunity to have a lower Social Security taxation through the provisional income tax, higher RMDs and, and all of those things will increase those that, that type of taxation as well. Yeah, it's it's amazing. And there's a, a, so many things that you, that you said right there. One of them is this, this Irma idea that people are thinking, like, who, who are you talking about, Great Aunt's Irma? Uh, no, it's uh, income-related Medicare uh, adjustment where actually most people are, are somewhat surprised that Medicare costs them something 
They're even more surprised that if your income's high enough, it'll cost you even more. And that level now, it's 2020 uh, to, it's around like 180 grand for a couple. And so sometimes when people hear about that, they're like, oh, okay, that's not a big deal. Well, it's like around 90 grand for a single individual. Well, wait a second, somebody gets widowed and they might not have had this extra cost because they were maybe uh, 120,000-ish for, uh, for income, great income for a couple. But then somebody dies and now they're like 100,000, 110,000 as a in single individual. All of a sudden they're, they're faced with higher Medicare costs while they have lower income. That's a huge, a huge shock to people. And that's what I love about kind of your approach is that the, the whole point is not about how do I get that instant gratification? How do I get the highest income tomorrow with the lowest taxes tomorrow? It's how do you get the highest, most stable income with the lowest taxes over your entire lifetime? And it's just amazing. Your software will run a hundred different scenarios based on 30 to 40 years worth of tax returns. You'll actually project out what the next 30 to 40 years of tax returns will look like. And the whole point is, how do you decrease your, your tax cost over the entire 30 to 40 tax years? It's not how do I decrease last year's tax cost or just today's tax cost? Because like you said, it's instant gratification. It's probably easiest just to do nothing right now for this year. But you look at the entire uh, time frame of before and after social security starts and require minimum distribution starts, and especially when somebody gets widowed, you can project out pretty well what your taxes are gonna look like and you can make decisions on that well ahead of time to, to get ready uh, for it. We were talking earlier about the difference between standard financial planning software versus retirement planning software. In my notes, I wrote down that standard is more descriptive and retirement planning software is more prescriptive. But here when you talk, I just changed it in my notes where it seems like, tell me how you feel about this. Standard financial planning software, kind of stuff you see online or with an advisor that is not focused on retirement. So standard financial planning software, I'm gonna say is descriptive and it's based on rules of thumb related to investing math, yet retirement planning software is prescriptive. It says, well, here's what you could do to make things better. And it's based on research on the retirement spending math. How does that sound to you? Yeah, no, I think that's exactly it. I mean, because, you know, on the accumulation phase, yeah, I mean, there's a there's a lot that goes into financial planning, certainly, the standard financial planning. But yeah, like what you said there, it's the investment math. That's what, what model portfolio can we put you in? How, you know, how aggressively can we grow your wealth? Which is all very important. But for the decumulation, the coming down the mountain, the distribution planning, we're trying to provide some type of certainty. And there is no certainty. You know, none, we don't have that crystal ball. Nobody does. And, and so what can we do? Well, the best thing we could do is plan and strategize and determine, you know, what is our path to get to the, the finish line? And we may not be able to stay on that path exactly because there could be, you know, law changes, regulatory changes. There could be completely unforeseen circumstances, things that we haven't even seen yet. You know, uh, like four years ago, five years ago, there was no one saw a pandemic that that changed things in the industry. You know, so there's all these unforeseen things, all these unforeseen things. But the best thing we could do is have a strategy and and have a have the our clients buy into that you know they may not understand every single nook and cranny but they understand directionally let me get directionally correct 
let me let me see what I can do for the next 30 years to position myself or my spouse or my kids better in the future. And sometimes it it turns out when we do that planning, there are those couples that want the instant gratification. And that's okay. You know, they, they, they're those couples that say, Hey, we want to balance the last check that we ever write, or we want to leave this world with no money left. Well, you know what, then for you folks, maybe it is, maybe it is something more instant gratification. Probably we could still find something more efficient than conventional wisdom. You know, we could still be tax smart about your distributions, but we could still give you some of that instant gratification you want. But the majority of clients, they, they understand and recognize that once you kind of lay that context out, like here's instant gratification, the reason conventional wisdom is dangerous is because it looks good in the first several years, but then it looks really, it could look really bad in the later years. How big is a, is that of a concern to you, Mr. And Mrs. Client, you know, and what are, what steps are we willing to take to mitigate that? Is it Roth conversions? Is it pulling money out of your IRAs now to mitigate your RMDs later and probably your Medicare later? The, the widow situations, I mean, that's something we run into every day where the you know husband passes away, widow, the widow now is put, uh, kind of by default thrusted into these higher tax brackets and higher Medicare brackets. And it's like, oh, man, I wish we would have done some Roth conversions 10 years ago. That's what we're trying to preempt and get out in front of now with this planning software. Yeah. And I, I think um, it's just great. It's just a great way to look at it. I've got, I love how you described it uh, to me earlier on a different call, uh, how it's more of a, a Rubik's cube. I'm just going to leave that hanging because we're going to talk about that in a second. But you also mentioned something else out there about the Social Security tax torpedo. So tell us, uh, our listeners, what is a Social Security tax torpedo? And we're going to come back to uh, kind of finish up with that Rubik's Cube idea. So Social Security tax torpedo, torpedo what, what are you talking about? Yeah, the tax torpedo. It's, you know, then when, when someone starts claiming Social Security... And they're thinking, okay, I'm going to pull, I'm going to claim my social security. I'm going to start getting my social security money. Okay. Well, that's great. And I'm also going to take a withdrawal out of my 401k. Well, the provisional income formula that dictates social security taxation uses part of those, the uses those withdrawals to increase the provisional income level. So like if you're taking, you know, if your, your, your social security benefit, part of the provisional income formula is half of your annual social security benefits, plus then other things like, you know, pensions, uh, taxable annuities, withdrawals from your retirement accounts. So for someone that has 80,000 a year of social security benefits, well, 40,000 of that is going to be inputted in this provisional income formula and the bar is pretty low for a married couple. You know, the bar is pretty low uh you know for the provisional income thresholds of 32 and 44,000 to stay under. So when you take that withdrawal from your 401k, that is now added to the provisional income. And now maybe, you know, your social security benefits half of your only of your social security benefits were only $20,000. So you're like, "Oh, I'm good." I'm not going to have to pay hardly anything uh, or any taxes on my social security. Well, but then you're taking, you have a pension and you took money out of your 401k. Well, that's one of the, one of the ways that the government uses to, you know, it, take more taxes 
from the Social Security benefits, the tax torpedo. We're torpedoing ourselves because we're pulling money out in an inefficient way, which is increasing our Social Security taxation, even though my 401k has nothing to do with my Social Security benefit. But me pulling money out of my 401k while I'm receiving Social Security just torpedoed myself and increased my Social Security taxation. Yeah, we see this all the time with people that hit required minimum distribution age or then uh, become widowed, especially then like you get widowed later on, you're in your 80s, maybe around 90 or so. And your required minimum distribution doesn't change if there's two people or one people, relatively speaking, right? If you have a half million bucks and there's two of you, you have your RMD amount. But if you if there's only one of you, you have the RMD amount that's basically the same, right? I'm sure if there's an age difference, it'll be a slight difference, but let's just go with that. Mm-hmm. That's exactly the same. And so we'll, we'll see people before required minimum or before uh, becoming widowed, they'll say, hey, things are looking pretty good. Like not much of my social security is getting taxed. I don't have much income. And then they see ahead of it like, oh, I, I have this required minimum. And let's just say it's $10,000. Okay, I have $10,000 I have to take out of my traditional account. I know I'll pay taxes on it. And I'm in the 12% bracket right now. So I, I, maybe I'll just withhold 12% on that. Well, it's not the 12% on the 10 grand. It's the 12% on the 10 grand plus all this extra social security that went from tax free to taxable. Yep. You know, kind of the, the most extreme example, which I see all the time really, is that somebody might be at the top of the 12% bracket, which means that that was last year's news. You add in money from your traditional accounts, it gets added on top, which means you might have been jumping into the 22% bracket. And so you look at last year and say, oh, I was at 12% bracket. I'll just withhold 12%. No, it's a, a new year. And this new income is added onto the top. It could be at the 22% rate. And so you think it's 12 on your 10 grand of your of your required minimum distribution. No, now you're in a new bracket and it's 22%. But it's not just the 10 grand. It's maybe another 8,500 of Social Security that went from tax-free to taxable. So you actually run the math and your 10 grand required minimum is about a $4,100 federal tax cost on that specific amount. That was a 41% uh, rate. It was a 41% cost to you. And here you thought you were at 12% because that was last year's news. It's all about what's happening new uh, this year. And that's why you got to plan for it. A lot of people say, why would I possibly pay extra taxes on my money today? Why would I do a Roth conversion today? Well, you can pretty well foresee you'll hit 72 You'll get those required minimum distributions. At some point in time, you might become uh, widowed. And those thresholds where Social Security goes from 0% to 50% to 85% taxable all of a sudden shrink, which means it's easier to have more taxes showing up. Actually, your tax bracket shrinks as well too. So it's easier when you become widowed to have more of your Social Security show up as taxable, and it's easier to get into a higher tax bracket. That's why we, we very much like the idea let's let's project out let's find when the social security tax torpedo may happen and let's let's prepare for it absolutely yeah no and i think that's a a key distinction is that you know the the potential to increase your provisional income taxation like you said the zero 50 and 85 percent and then your ordinary income bracket so then you know suddenly you might be paying taxes instead of 12 percent federal taxes, you're paying 22% on 85% of your social security dollars. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's just, uh, and, and sometimes that just 
really blindsides people. And, oh, I believe uh, it. I've yeah. seen it. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen it. Yeah. Good. Well, let's, let's finish up. Cause one thing you, you told me about is that the, the big part of retirement planning, which you're, you're helping people find out is adding the coordination and adding the context where it's not a matter of how do I solve for one thing? Like how do I uh, make sure I have no problems with taxes or how do I make sure I have no problems with the stock market go, going up and down? In reality, you think of it like a Rubik's cube. Like it's, it's kind of easy to actually solve one side of the Rubik's cube. Like you try hard enough and you work at it, you can probably get one side of it where you get all the same color, but then everything else is a mess on there. And people really ought to look at retirement and all the different risks out there, like inflations and interest rates and taxes and the stock market and how long might you live and your healthcare costs. Those six especially, because hey, we're talking about a six-sided Rubik's cube, right? You solve for one of those and you say, hey, I got this figured out. I'll never have to worry about if interest rates go up or down again. Okay, well, what about inflation or taxes or you know the rest of it? And that's what you're trying to do is try to coordinate to make sure it all fits properly that you're doing a, a you're, you're putting the entire Rubik's cube together instead of just looking at one side. And I think a lot of people can be, I'll just call it short-sighted that they're just looking at the one side of things on there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and the Rubik's cube is that, that analogy I think is really appropriate for our income solver software, because that's what the algorithm is doing. And you know, our industry is still a face-to-face -face industry. So algorithms can only take you so far, but if you're going to use one, you might as well use one that takes you as far as possible. So then you can focus on those advisors can focus on the planning components and the context. And so what we do like in the income solver is that that whole the Rubik's cube and we say coordination, you know, and I think that you illustrate illustrated it perfectly with every side of the Rubik's cube is a different subject matter. And imagine that that is uh, you know, quantified on a spreadsheet. Our software started on a spreadsheet. Dr. Rickenstein and Bill Meyer showed me the original spreadsheet. And it was, I mean, the, the biggest spreadsheet I've ever seen. I mean, it took <laughs> a decade to create this spreadsheet before they started developing it into a computer program. And so that whole, that whole, you know, we keep, we keep hammering this coordination, coordination. Well, what does that actually mean? Well, in the software, what it means is when you run the optimizer, which is a button in the income solver, you click run optimizer, what the software is basically doing in the background, it's taking that Rubik's cube and, and it's fitting it together to be perfect on all sides. And that would be the top ranked withdrawal strategy. But then it's taking another few thousand Rubik's cubes and simultaneously running and fixing all those up as well, but leaving them suboptimal deliberately. So the second rank strategy is a near perfect Rubik's cube, but it's one color of one square is different. And, and then the next, you know, the third ranked option, two squares of the Rubik's cube are a different color. And, and it's ranking all these Rubik's cubes, you know, and we have a lot of a really brilliant advisors and financial planners and CPAs that use the software and they come to us with some really impressive spreadsheets and those spreadsheets might bullseye one of those topics and one of those subject matters, Social Security or Medicare or Roth conversions. But it's just like you said, they flip the Rubik's Cube over and it's like, well, now everything on the back end is a jumbled mess. That's where the income solver will help because it will coordinate all those moving parts, rank the strategy concepts for the advisor so they could spot check or peruse or research and pick out a few 
to kind of present the client. And then that's where the context comes in, the coordination, and then the context and, and being able to show that to a client to say, well, if you do conventional wisdom, you end up here and here's your tax paying journey throughout your life. And here's your cumulative taxes and here's your RMDs. But then over here, if you decide to do some Roth conversions, here's the contrast. You'll have higher taxes that you have to pay up front. But then later on, you'll have you'll enjoy lower RMDs, thereby lower Medicare. Your wife will be in a better position, you know, when you pass away. Then, uh, you know, then everything shrinks on her. Though, well, then she still might be in the lowest Medicare Irma threshold, you know. And even that, what I just described, is an oversimplification, because the software is doing that thousands of times simultaneously, and in about five to ten seconds will rank a list of strategy ideas, which is meant to become the advisor's drawing board. It's like instead of reinventing the wheel every time, lean on our lean on, you know, our software, lean on our research, spot check, find the strategy that you like or that you think will resonate with the client. And you could even tweak it a bit to, you know, but first we want to get directionally correct to see what is this client even willing to do? Maybe they just don't have the stomach to do the Roth conversions, even though they have the money to pay the taxes on the conversions. They psychologically may not have the stomach for that. Okay, so then what's next then? What do we do? What can we do to help that client? So it's that Rubik's Cube analogy, I think is the most appropriate because there's so many moving parts in retirement planning. And I can't imagine how long it would take to do all that on a spreadsheet. Yeah, for sure. Well, I, you, you brought that Rubik's Cube uh, analogy to me. I'm going to keep on using it. And I think for the people listening, uh, some of the things that just remember and keep in mind is that when you hit retirement, it's not about one particular risk. People get so uh, fixated on uh, what if this person gets elected, what if taxes change, what if the stock market changes. It's figuring out how do you get the best overall results and all the different risks that are out there. And it's especially too, when you hit retirement, there's a need for different math, which means you need re specific retirement planning software compared to just generic financial planning software, which is great. The generic financial planning software is wonderful stuff, probably beats the spreadsheet. And yet at the same time, if you have a specific problem, like how do I uh, plan the best for my retirement? You need the specific software to do that. So I'm, I'm so happy that you came on, Chris. Glad that you can share a little bit with us on how you approach Social Security and the decisions there. How do you use the Income Solver to approach all the further decisions on there as well? Thanks again for coming on. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me, Jeremy. You got it. And thank you too for listening to the Retirement Revealed podcast. We believe if you know more about your money, you will feel better about your money and you will make better money decisions. Thank you for listening to the Retirement Revealed podcast. Click on the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. Visit retirement-revealed.com to learn more. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Kyle Financial Partners. Kyle Financial Partners does not provide legal, accounting, or tax advice. Consult your attorney or tax professional. Representatives have general knowledge of the Social Security tenants. For complete details on your situation, contact the Social Security Administration. Kyle Financial Partners is a part of the Thrivent Advisor Network, a registered investment advisor. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. 
The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.